0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Gridiron Blitz, right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in, Apple Podcasts. Gridiron Blitz, powered by Zazzle.com. And today we are going to be talking NFL Week 10. We're going to be talking college football Week 11 playoffs. And then we're going to be diving into the international women's scene as we get ready uh, internationally and in the States for uh, the spring. But there's a lot of action internationally in Gridiron Australia, Austria. Brazil, Costa Rica, uh, so a lot of things to talk about. in that, if you want to uh, stay up to date on everything that's going on in the women's game, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great iron Beauties. Once again, facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Um, so it's going to be a great week of football this weekend, and there's going to be championships, especially in Austria as well, so we'll talk about that. And, uh, and then we'll talk about off-season news and notes. Uh, but you can get all everything caught up. On the international scene, like I said, you go to our, the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great Art Beauties. I want to thank everybody that's uh, actually come over to like our page and everybody that's sharing our post. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're close to about 6,600 uh, on Facebook, so that's awesome. So just keep it going. Share our posts, inspiring stories, and obviously the action that happens. want to uh, also give a shout out to all our network partners that we network with internationally. That supply us the information in terms of pages, Facebook page that we can share, uh, articles, and as well as YouTube videos that we can bring to you on our Facebook page. So, thank you everybody for collaborating and making us your uh, destination for all things women's American football. So, let's bring in uh, college football guru and NFL uh, insider Troy Wilson in the house. And then we should have Mackenzie Brooks later in the hour as we're going to be talking college football. And the scenarios that's going on there. Troy, what's going on?
2: What's going on, brother? How's everything, man? You know, over there on the West Coast. You know, you guys got a lot going on out there, man.
1: So my thoughts are We are on burning those, on the West Coast, Troy. We are burning. Yeah.
2: Yeah, man. That's that's concerning man. So, you know, I I see, I see a lot was going on over there, man. So my thoughts and prayers are with you guys over there, man. So I hope you guys are being safe and and finding a way to get a little bit of better air quality, man. So stay safe out there, y'all.
1: The only blessing I got is I'm in the middle of the state and I'm about, uh, five miles from the coastline. So I guess mother nature's breeze just takes away all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, Southern cows, um, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to the thousand oaks out there and then, uh, paradise up North in Northern California just devastated. And, uh, our prayers go out to them as well. And a lot of folks up North have lost their homes and, um, uh, they're being sheltered at this point. Um, shout out to, uh, the LA Rams out there and the San Francisco 49ers for uh, trying to help out in the community in terms of funding donation and time and stuff like that to their employees and everybody else out there. So um, coming together at that point, um, just devastating. So, you know, it goes to show right now um, at this point, they have no idea what happened, but it could have been just a simple person that didn't put out fire. It could have been mother nature with a strike. I mean, there's just no way to tell, you know what I mean? Just the way it is and just happened just the same thing as hurricanes. You know what I mean? For no other reason, it just shows up. So, um, so we just got to, you know, hope that everybody recovers and I'm pretty sure they will. We got a lot of resources in the state. Um, everybody's been uh, coming out of state to help us. So, uh, other than that, I, you know, prayers to everybody that's helping, uh, including the firemen. And I, I was in those situations myself. And I can tell you right now, they're very scary. Uh, and there's things sometimes that you can't get out of and we lose lives as well as, uh, responders. So, uh, hopefully that's not the case, but, uh, you know, they're trying to contain it. It looks like the uh, South is going to be a, a lot more contained than the North. So we'll, our prayers go out. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely, man. It's a, and it's just a, it's a scary sight out there, man. So I've seen a lot of the, um, I've seen a lot of the things on the news, um, as far as like the devastation that's happened. I mean, they're talking about a football field, you know, worth of, uh, Worth of trees and land that's being um, engulfed in flames every three seconds. I can't even fathom that, man. So again, man, you know, just just keeping my, you know, just keeping my prayers and thoughts with you guys out there in California that's dealing with all of this stuff and it's, it's horrific out there. And you know, I've already started my donations as far as you know, going towards the, the efforts to you know help people get their lives back. And so I implore everyone to kind of do the same thing whether it be through the Red Cross or whatever your favorite um, whatever your favorite charity is so just make sure you guys help these help these folks out it's not always going to be left up to you know your uh, insurance or things like that but these 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 folks need a lot more help and so just make sure you guys um, you know uh, help them out as much as you can
1: all right uh, we're gonna be posting out uh, some of the uh, sites that they have locally. They're trying to finalize that right now, trying to figure out which one's the more legit. Cause in this time of need, you always put the funds to somewhere else and we want to make sure it goes to the right area. So uh, American Red Cross is very legit. So you can always go to Amer- American Red Cross and just make a donation there. Or you can go to the individual NFL teams and they have the links there as well. So um, Troy, uh, let's talk NFL as we get into it here. Um, the Mexico game will not happen. It's, it's, morning i'm reading the last uh, hour or so it will be shifted to los angeles because of field conditions so i don't know why you would even get here this way i mean i think the responsibility really falls on the stadium not so much the nfl the stadium should have the responsibility to ensure the field is proper and so i par- apparently they had a concert and a soccer match this past week and that tore up the field from what i'm reading so um, I don't know why uh, you know Estadio Azteca would go and you know schedule a venue like that you know with the NFL
2: coming in on a Monday. Well, you know, I mean, you know, when you got the the, the, the um, you know the stadium in Mexico City, I mean, look, they have to they have to schedule things where they have to schedule things, but I will sit back and say that the NFL, knowing that this game was going to be on the schedule, knowing that this game was going to be in Mexico City, you need to have some kind of advocate down there to see about the field conditions, and I think that's what happened. And, you know, the fact that they wouldn't be able to resize the field and, and get it up and ready is, is kind of a travesty because, I mean, just think about, You know, what the NFL's goal in the first place was to do was to go down to Mexico and kind of, um, you know, kind of flex their brand, if if, if you will. And this is going to be a setback for the NFL. It's also a setback for Mexico because, you know, you think about the ticket sales that were already, you know, dished out, and now you have to switch this back to L.A., and not to mention that l a right now is not in the best move and not in the best um you know state also with with the wildfires going on out there also and there were complaints that the air quality in San Francisco was bad because of the fires in northern California so you know this is this is uh you know it's a bad thing for everyone but you know at least that they get to play the get play the game um and and not to mention this is just um you know this this would not normally be the storyline between two teams that are nine and one right now. So, um, but speaking on that, the game is, it should be crazy exciting. And I don't know if the chiefs are going to come back and sit back and say, listen, man, we were, you know, initially supposed to play at a neutral site, but now we end up having to play basically what comes out to be a LA Rams home game. I guess this is, you know, LA Rams home game on the schedule as it was, but you know, typically it should have been a neutral site. But you know what? They gotta play this game. It's a huge game. It's gonna be a a great game for all the NFL fans to watch. At least they figured a way to get out get it out there and play the game. So we're all definitely gonna be tuning in to watch this game. There's no doubt about that. So we'll sit back and watch and see what happens. It's gonna be an excellent it's gonna be an excellent matchup.
1: So, I read under fake news that it's going to be played in Carson at the home of the L.A. Chargers.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, man. Look, you, look you're playing at a
2: soccer stadium, and, you know, seats <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: 30000 Had to throw a- it out there. Out there.
2: <laughs>
1: it's uh, yeah, Spano trying to make, with- make, make a buck. Spano's trying to make a buck. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, I'm glad they're not playing it there in Carson, man. So, at least they get to oh, play in maybe. the college. That would be
1: awesome. Uh, I, that was funny. Um, uh, anyways, uh, Troy, uh, Washington continues to lead the East. <laughs> we don't know how, but it happens. And so, 16-3 to against uh, Fix, Fix Magic and company. Um, Peterson, Smith... <laughs> they're getting it done and uh the cowboys find a way to beat the the eagles um you know with the uh, ezekiel elliott and and so the nfc east can you explain where we're at there
2: well listen you know the the redskins are they're just going completely you know 1982 on this one here so You know, you got Adrian Peterson. This guy doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. He's 33 years old, 34 years old. He's running the ball like he's still a young kid. You know, you got Alex Smith out there. He's 34. He's just being really careful with the ball. And, you know, he's only throwing, you know, throwing for, you know, uh, just under 200 yards a game. But they're winning with defense. I mean, they gave up 500 yards of offense, uh, the Washington Redskins did but they only gave up three points. And so it looked like that what Greg Minuski, the defensive coordinator for the Redskins did, was he decided he was going to bend but don't break. And they were just opportunistic. And so the, a lot of those turnovers that they had out there were not unforced turnovers. Those were forced turnovers. I mean, just like, you know, uh, the play where, you know, they're running toward the end zone and you got a linebacker that punched the ball out and then went right into the back of the end zone. I mean, that was just a spectacle spectacular defensive play and so the redskins defense defense they're not happy that they gave up 500 yards but they are ecstatic that they only gave up three this is a formula that's been working for them this year um and but let me tell you this redskins fans are still on the edge about the quarterback they're not they're not crazy you can look around the league to a lot of these teams that are playing out there you got you know teams that are scoring 29 34 51 points and then the Redskins come in at a lowly 16, and they're, they're you know, in, in one of the lowest scoring teams in the NFL right now. But they're still winning at 6-3. and three. And the bottom line is, if you win, you get a chance to play. And if the Redskins can continue to build on that defense that they've had out there, I think they'll be in prime position. And right now, they're two games ahead in the NFC East. And really, that's all that counts. You just have to win your division. If you win your division, you get to the playoffs, and you get a chance to play it out and see what happens. So if that defense can still be opportunistic throughout the rest of the year, and especially if they make the playoffs, I think that puts them in a prime position to kind of make a little bit of a run. But we'll see going forward when it comes to them going against the offensive juggernauts. And you see what happened when they did. They went against the New Orleans Saints. You know, they were blown out. They went against Atlanta. They were blown out. But you know what? It's all about matchups, really. And it's about opportunities. And if the Redskins get an opportunity to play, and especially if they get the chance to play it at home, we'll see if that, if that does make a difference for them going forward. When it comes to the Cowboys and the Eagles, that was just a great game to watch. I mean, you know, you got two rivals. They played it up in Philadelphia. And it looks like Philadelphia might be one of those one-year wonder guys. You know, they might be one-hit wonders. They win the Super Bowl, and right now they're 4-5. They haven't and been playing very well. Carson Wentz has been stacking up the numbers, but he just does not look comfortable out there to me. When I watch him play, it still looks like he has the lingering effects from that knee injury. And, you know, we'll see how that is for them going forward. They also just lost Ronald Darby, who was their best defensive uh, – their best cornerback, rather. And so they've already had issues with Jalen Mills at the other corner. That's not a good formula for Philadelphia right now because they're going to be going against some high-powered offenses – coming up soon and watching Dallas kind of get back on track and get back to what they've usually done, which is get Ezekiel Elliott the ball. That's how they win football games, by giving that guy the ball that's your best football player and and allowing your defenses, who have been opportunistic and flying around, to, to allow them to make plays. So right now both of those teams are four and five. But going forward, it really does look better for Dallas if they can remain consistent as far as what their approach is to the to the game. Instead of trying to make Dak Prescott into something that he's not, which is a pocket passer. Right now, he's an athlete who can get out of you know get out on the uh, on the edges, whether it be on bootlegs or just moving the pocket and being able to make plays with his legs and also throwing downfield on the run, and that's really his strength. So if the Cowboys can do that, they look well going forward. Philadelphia is just in a little bit of disarray, but we'll see how
1: they look uh, also going forward. Yeah, and it it, it was a good rebound for the Cowboys, and also it's a great uh, Washington win. Defensively, it was a good win. Um, Hats off to your team because I picked them up on my fantasy squad, so 17 points for me. That was great. Um, So that was really good to watch. Um, You know, they're stout. Uh, What do you say, Troy, uh, once Hugh Jackson got canned, he ends up in Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden, the Browns com- completely look like a new team under Greg Williams. They look like the Saints of old in a way with their offensive style. Offensively, they were a lot more aggressive. I don't know if Atlanta underestimated them when they were when they played them, but Mayfield and Chubbs showed up. And they they were very impressive.
2: I think the best thing the Browns did was not get rid of Hugh Jackson. It was more so. Um, uh, putting Nick Chubb as a starting running back. I mean, he's been explosive in, in short bursts this entire year. Um, you go ahead and, and you trade your starting running back down to Jacksonville, and now you got Nick Chubb at the helm, and he he rewards you with running a 92-yard touchdown run. That guy should have been getting the ball from from day one. But you know what? They they And I'm not sure exactly why they didn't get him the ball. But they look much more formidable, being able to run the football and having that running threat, and that that allows Baker Mayfield to be much more comfortable. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they the, the, the Cleveland Browns have a lot of talent. They do. They, I mean, they have pass rushers. You got defensive linemen. You got defensive backs that they spent first round picks on, free agents. Um, so they're start look like they're starting to come together, and they held an Atlanta offense. Uh, a high power land off 16 points. And watching Mayfield start to get a lot more comfortable the, the one thing I love about Baker Mayfield, he's not afraid of the moment. I mean, look, he's been in so many big games already. This isn't this isn't new for him. So this is, you don't you don't see that nervousness out there with a quarterback like that. And you love to have, see him He build does have a people. confident
1: confident swag to him coming into each game. That, it's like it's like a natural thing for him, you know. It's like a national spotlight for him uh, to try to do that. So uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's very comfortable.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you like the future for them. I mean, right now, I don't think they're they're in prime position to to make a playoff run. I mean, right now are three six and one, and Pittsburgh right now is heading is head and shoulders above that league above that division. They've gotten right on, on that ship. But the one thing that you want to see with Cleveland is you want to see them build. And right now they're three and they're three six and one. They won three games more than they won. You know they won one game last year and zero games the year before that. So Baker Mayfield is the guy that really is is, is stirring the drink. But you know what, Nick Chubb is what really gets these guys going. And the more they get him the ball and figure out ways to get him involved in the offense, I think the better. So I love Cleveland going forward. I love their prospects and their and their future. As long as they keep and and they look, they have even more draft picks in this coming up This coming up um uh NFL draft in 2019 and you expect them to build upon that Hugh Jackson coming in there. He has that offensive prowess and it's great to see Marvin Lewis bring that guy in there and he brings him back into into the fold in Cincinnati. This is just going to be great I think going forward. So I'm really happy for Cleveland. I'm really happy for uh, Hugh Jackson, and he he landed on his feet also. So we'll definitely keep our eyes on that on that division. It, but but looks like right now in that division, Pittsburgh has righted the ship. Uh, Le'Veon Bell not coming back. He didn't show up today. He's out for the year basically. So you know it, it's going to be interesting going forward. But you know what, J- uh, James Conner. He's, he's lessening the blow of missing a guy like Le'Veon Bell because he has come out and he has been balled, period, point blank. He is a football player. He's a guy, again, the moment is not too big for him. He's a gentleman who, who has fought cancer, um, you know, and, and he beat it. So playing a football game is not nervous to him. I mean, that's the kind of guys you, you want in your organization um, that can go through things like that. And come out on the other end and just be, be- and just be better for your team. So I'm definitely happy for these guys. Um, I, I, you know, I love watching the division, um, especially the, you know the Baltimore Ravens. Also, it's a great division to watch. So this is going to be a fight for years to come. Watching everybody stacking up how they're doing.
1: Hey Troy, uh, you turning down that 14.5 million dollar deal and removing your franchise tag and calling it a season for 2018? That's a slick move on your part.
2: Yeah, you know what? See, fourteen million dollars is just too much for a guy like myself to turn down. So, lay me on. I hope you got a plan, boss, because I don't know, man. My I, I out that that thing would have been signed before the season started, if you ask me. So, but I mean, I get it. It's a business decision that he's doing, but man, I, I, for the life of me, I Troy, can't understand what. Troy, what you, don't need, is. you don't need
1: you don't need eight hundred and fifty thousand a week. You're good. You're good till
2: 2019. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I may, look, it's a business decision. He feels like it's not a fair wage. To me, I'm like, you give me 14 million dollars, and you put that in front of me. That look, I already got a pen in my pocket to sign that one, Jack. You don't even have to talk to me about it. But look,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve myself politely and just say uh, a knucklehead agent on that behalf. Because he'll figure it out a year from now when he doesn't get that money. <laughs> and they probably give it yeah. to Connor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Connor's going to get and the 14.5, and you're like, uh, you're a has-been, and we're going to offer you about seven to nine. <laughs> and it's going to be a he's one-year never, tender.
2: He's never going to make that money back. He's never going to make that money back. And and, and I, I can say that with pretty much a lot of confidence right now. He's never going. He's never going to make that money back. He'll always miss that money. Um, but you know what? Unless he lands
1: in Cleveland. If he lands in Cleveland, maybe. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Cleveland doesn't need that guy. You know, so, I mean, you know, you could take that one off the table. Nick Chubb has solidified himself as a viable NFL starter. So uh, Cleveland doesn't need that kind of uh th- doesn't need Le'Veon Bell and doesn't want to pay for a guy like that. See, right now, I'm not sure who would at this point, uh, seeing what you Is see Buffalo out there. It'd be or Jackson, great, Right, Buffalo, or Jacksonville. Him, wouldn't it be great to see him go to Baltimore? I mean, think about that for a second, you know? I mean, you know. A, a former I don't know, first- man. That
1: would not be good. If I was oh, him, I wouldn't even man. stay in the division. If I was him, I'd
2: run out of the division quickly. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that would just be the absolute best to see him sign with a team like Baltimore. Their hated rival. You know, I mean, just oh man, that would just be great. So I hope I hope I see something like that in the off season. If they're going to do that, you know, I hope to see something like that in the off season. That'd be great for football. It'd be great for, especially Baltimore. It'd be terrible for Pittsburgh, especially from a from a standpoint of uh, you know how the fans are going to react to that.
1: Hey, uh, for a guy that made about eighty k a year, I, I never turned down my contract. I always honored my management contract. <laughs> but I got needs I had needs I had family I had a mortgage I didn't have free time so (laughs) that was a big difference yeah I don't know that's crazy Uh, you would think he would uh, kind of wise up and figure it out but anyways uh, fanfare in Pittsburgh is over like you said and Connor is the guy now so the NFL is that kind of move that kind of shift right it's just like you're here one day the next day you're out of out of sight.
2: Yeah, and most of the time it's not by your own choice. So, you know, this was his choice to do that. So that's the funny part of it. He's gotta to have to deal with that one man.
1: Alright, so we both agree he screwed up and we'll see it in about a year if he even shows up again. And <laughs> we'll be right. That's great. Uh all right. Um I'm concerned, Troy, that my Rams D is going to collapse. I just I'm concerned that uh, as talented as Donald is and Sue and Blocker, I mean, it looks like they are giving up big, big yardage. Uh, against Seattle, they give up almost 122 on, on the defensive side, and we barely get out of Seattle with a win. So I don't know uh, if that's concern enough, but it is concern for me. Offensively, I think we're okay. Offensively, we're starting to see either wear and tear or uh, we're not playing as cohesive as we were in the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, and it, I, I'm I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised at how that defense is faring right now. I mean, I, I expected a lot more, especially when you line up and Domi Sue and Aaron Donald, you know, right next to each other. I mean, you really expect a little bit more from from these from these guys out front, but. Aaron Donald is not a disappointment. He's honestly, in my opinion, he's the best player in football. I don't think it's any – to me, it's no question. He's the best player in football, period. Um, But then you have to sit back and look at the other positions that they have. I mean, they're still hurt at corner. Um, Yep. You know, so they're still waiting for Keith to get back out there. Um, uh, What's my guy's name from uh, Kansas City that they just got? I forgot his name that quick uh um, Marcus uh oh, Peters. I forgot his name. Peters. Yeah, Marcus Peters. So he hasn't uh you know, he hasn't gotten accustomed to how things are done with the Rams. You know, he hasn't played very he hasn't played as well. And so, you know, that, that, that secondary can be had. And, you know, they're not playing very well Uh, up front. I mean, they're damn near unblockable. I don't even see how any – I mean, they just got to do – I don't know how they can even figure out how to block those guys up front. But sometimes you also see in Dominic Kassou is not really playing as hard as he could, you know. And maybe that's just catching up to him. I don't know. Um, But you expect a little bit more from that defense on that side. And and the offense, man, I mean, they're – dude, it's almost record setting. I mean – you got Todd Gurley out there, who, in my opinion, should be, you know, uh, uh, you know, should be Player of the Year. He may end up being Co-Player of the Year against, you know, a guy that he's going to be playing um, the next week in Patrick Mahomes. But man, this dude has just been killing it. And so you love what you see out of that Rams offense. McVay has that team running like a like a well-oiled machine. You got to love his prowess also. So I like what I see from them on the offensive side, from the defensive side. You're trying to figure out what the hell is going wrong. Um, but I, and I agree with you. I think going into this game against Kansas City, against that high-powered offense, you saw like when they started against high-powered offenses, they haven't really fared well. And I wouldn't even count Seattle amongst them. Seattle is a, is, is a division, of, you know, foe, so they're more familiar with them. But you saw what happened when you know when they played. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins yep. kind of air out also, and so you know Kirk Cousins and the Vikings uh, they're on a little bit lower level than you'll have with Kansas City coming in there. So I, I definitely agree with you on the concerns that you have there. I'm, and it I'm concerned.
1: Well it. I'm concerned because Kansas City defensively looks like
2: a better squad. They have a
1: 31 sacks on on the year. I think they they can muster some pat, you know, get through the line. I'm my, my panic is if we're giving up this much yardage to our own division and outside division, Kansas city is going to just have a field day. If they're going to give up that much yardage and they usually punch it in really well with Hill and hunt. So that's my concern yeah. that we're going to get to that stage. And then you saw it against the saints game. The saints don't have a very good defense. I think of are rank 31st and 28th again in the red zone, but even then they still couldn't muster it. So, Big test for uh, the Rams would be against Kansas City. It's going to be the, their biggest test probably, not more so than the Saints. If they fall here, then we got questions on the defensive side of the ball, pretty good questions to answer.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, they went ahead and they made the trade for Dante Fowler Jr., um, you know, hoping that would also add some pass rush to it. He's been pretty viable. Um, he looked good out there. And so, you know, we'll see going forward. I mean, if this, if this you know, they're going to start to gel a little bit further. And sometimes teams take a little bit longer to jail than, than you would normally expect. But they definitely have the talent out there, and I can't wait to see, what you know, what they're going to do. I'm definitely tuning in for that Kansas City game uh, that they have coming up on Monday night. That's a not-miss game. You can't miss that game at all.
1: Troy, were you surprised that uh, Mariota and company took care of uh, of New England so easily, basically? They dominated on the defensive side of the ball. They pressured Brady. Um, I think it's basically Vebrell just knows what's going on, and Mariota, you know, very impressive, 34 to 10. They contain
2: White as well. No, I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all because that's kind of what Tennessee does. Um, they also have that factor where you know they have a lot of familiarity. A lot of the people in the Tennessee organization, uh, Mike Brable, used to coach and play. Uh, used to play for um, you know Bill Belichick. He knows what to expect from those guys. The teams at the Tennessee Titans, what they do is they they usually play up to the competition. Um, typically, they you know they they lose games that they shouldn't lose, but then they you know beat teams that they should beat. Philadelphia is also you know one of those teams that they beat, and um, you didn't think that they would do it, but you know the, the, the throttling that they put on the the um, the New England Patriots, that was something to, to behold. And, you know, you always have to take your hat off when you see something like that because, let's face it, the Patriots have been the class of the AFC and almost, even, if you want to say the class of the NFL, for over two decades now. And so to watch them do that out there, you got to take your hat off to them. But, I mean, I kind of expected that they would play well and I actually pick them to win. Um, but I didn't think they would blow them out as they did. And when you see something like that, you got to stand up and take notice to a team like that, especially the way that their division is kind of shaking out with Houston winning winning these close games, and they're winning closer games, and they're looking like they're getting better. Mariota is now kind of getting over, um, you know, the, the nerve issue that he had in his, in his throwing hand, and he looks like he's just a better player, and he's just getting better and better as it goes as the season goes along. So if you watch them continue to do what they're doing, it's a, it's a great thing to watch.
1: The 51 burger by the Saints against Cincinnati, I don't think – I wasn't even surprised. I knew they were going to score over 40. It's just in their blood now. Um, so what do we say of them? Breeze Camaro just on fire. Cincinnati, you know, it's just cut. – it's got weapons, but they just seem to just underperform every week since the season started. They have not had a very good game. And so uh, Breeze, pretty easy win here. Uh, for the Saints, and they keep rolling. So the only issues for the Saints is the same as the Rams. Their defense is just ranked very low, and we've seen it before with championship teams. Right? You you get to the point where they are they're offensively stout, and all of a sudden they their defense is somewhat mediocre in the top ten or so. But these defenses in both with Los Angeles and in New Orleans is at the bottom of the barrel. So that's something of a red flag, don't you think?
2: Well. A couple things. Um, well, first with the Cincinnati Bengals, started the season four and one. Andy Dalton looked like you know he was, you know, starting to become a upper echelon quarterback. And they took that loss to the Steelers, and things that went downhill after that. And then the next week they had to play the Chiefs, and you know it, they got blown out there. And then they get blown out against the Saints. They beat the Bucks and all of that. But man, you, you kinda expected a little bit more from the Bengals. You thought that they were gonna kinda get on a run right now, but in their defense, the last uh three out of the last four weeks, they played what you can consider, you know, what you arguably be the best teams in the NFL. And so you you went, you know, um one and three during that stretch. Now the next stretch comes up and we'll see what that team is made of. Um, you know, you get you know, it's less, you know, of uh, you kinda get less of uh, you know, um, uh pressure that's coming on them right now. The next Are you saying the that the Browns are gonna
1: finish above Cincinnati? Is that no, what you're saying? No way.
2: The Bengals are going to run here. I mean now, that, now they're missing A.J. Green. Um but yeah. you got some guys that come in there and replace them, but the next seven games that they have coming up are the Ravens, Browns, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Browns, and the Steelers. And so other than the Chargers and Steelers, I think, you know, the rest of those games can be had. And if you can win uh, five out of those last seven, you know, that puts them in pretty prime position. If you can win, if you can end the season at 10 and 6, I mean, you have a possibility for a playoff. And so, so they're they in the same family. boat
1: that they've been every year. So you're saying they're going to be in the same boat they've been every other year, which is squeeze in, and then they literally fade in the first round. That's literally what their M.O. is for the last couple of years. It kind
2: of, like, kind of looks like that because, honestly, going forward, I don't have really a lot of confidence that they'll go. If, even if they do make the playoffs, I don't have the confidence that they'll kind of make their, make their you know, cut their own niche in that playoffs. I don't think – I don't see them doing it. Um, but as far as, like, making the playoffs, and I think that – will be a win for the Bengals. I think they have to at least win one playoff. Um, but you, you also have to sit back and say to yourself, mean, how many chances Marvin Lewis is going to get? He's been in 19 years. They still haven't won one
1: playoff game. This is
2: the Fisher, Fisher
1: model in, in Bengals land. It's really yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, he can't – what, Mixon, you couldn't have it. You had all the, all the weapons he's had over the years, and he still can't get over the hump. So, I mean – Job security? Is it Mr. Browning or the Brown family just loves this guy? I mean, this has got to be like some sort of a love affair there, because it's just the well, way it is.
2: Well, let's start with the Brown family. And the Brown family, the, their issue is they're notoriously cheap. They don't like paying. <laughs> I mean, they, everybody knows that. And so that's that's the one thing that you have to know. Oh, oh, no, you're they're saying they're frugal. frugal. Oh my god, they're, they are. They're incredibly frugal. I mean they just you know, you just you see it, you hate it. And that's just how they are. You know, Mike Brown is notoriously cheap. Uh you see that also with his players also. So you know, but at the same time you do give them points for, you know, being um, you know, trying to get something going, but I mean nineteen years, I mean you kinda of seen this, this this movie before where they start off strong or finish strong and then you know, at the end of the season, they are where you really want them. Um, but when it comes down to the New Orleans Saints, they may have replaced the Rams or the Kansas City Chiefs as what we think the best team is because <clears throat> things on defense. I mean, they started, they made the trade for Eli Apple on the corner, so they've been kind of um, you know uh, they 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 they're trying to sharp that pass defense that they have. But not to mention, even if you're giving up a lot of points they are going to score more points than they're going to give up because that all
1: That's the right key. That's the key. Exactly your key right there. So it's it's literally if stability on the offensive side if they can just muster more points than the other opponent then it doesn't really matter if you're ranked 30th or 31st. It really doesn't. Um but
0: right.
1: You called it 2 weeks ago. Play. You said watch out for the Saints. You you called it right before the Rams game. You said, hey, this is going to be the test. And all of a sudden, here we are. This is they are, – they're proving that they are the – one of the best teams, if not the best team right now. Uh, we're going to obviously see between the Rams and Kansas City who comes out of that one. But, yeah, I would have to agree. New Orleans is probably the standout uh, number one.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You know, the thing is with New Orleans is still have um, – two more games to play the Pampers. Uh They got one more against um, Atlanta. They got the Eagles coming up this week. They're the way the Atlanta, road. the way Carolina looked this past week, I mean, that is a, like a,
1: you can just check it off. Considering how Breeze is putting up over 40 burgers a week, that, my friends, is going to be scary.
2: Well, I, I, the only reason I say, I, I will say, let's hold off on that is because when it comes to the Panthers and the Saints, they're division rivals. They know each other a lot better. So, you know, Carolina doesn't know Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't know Carolina. And so that kind of got a little bit lopsided and a little crazy. And just the same as where, you know, they had the Bengals that were playing the Saints, that got a little lopsided and a little bit crazy. Those are out-of-conference plays. But when you start playing against your division rivals, and the last in the in the last few weeks the the, the the Saints have a lot of their division rivals. They have all four of their division rivals that they have to play. That's gonna to start to, you know, kind of separate whether or not these guys are for real. And the next seven games they have are not are not easy games. You got the Eagles, Falcons, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Panthers and the Steelers. So, you know, the Saints right now eight one, they look like they're the best team. This stretch right now is kinda of gonna show whether or not they are the best team. And how they fare against those teams is really going to determine what their confidence level is going into the playoffs and also the confidence level of the teams that will be playing them once they do get to the playoffs. And I, I fully expect this team to make the playoffs, barring Michael Thomas and uh, Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees, all three of those guys getting hurt.
1: All right, we got Salty in the house. Um, if you guys want to go to Zazzle.com, forward slash Beauty, you guys get all the holiday deals, check it out. Uh, get a, T-shirts, leggings, everything else. Uh, help us out for the winter mode. And so every sale that you buy at Zazzle.com, whether it be leggings, shirts, gifts, or anything like that, helps us out to sponsor another athlete out there and spotlight them uh, for 2019. So go to Zazzle.com. Don't forget to use the daily codes. Save up to 40% off every day at Zazzle.com. And if you subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $10 for the year, Get free shipping in the States. If you're international, not a problem. Go to Zazo.com. Right underneath at the very bottom is the worldwide tab. Look up your country code, link onto that site, and then buy directly from there. So really appreciate you guys doing that and helping us out. And if you uh, need the link, it's on our Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. Um, let's bring in the salty on the house here. Uh, Mackenzie, we're just talking about... You know, the stretches here with New Orleans, Kansas City, the Rams at the top. Um, let's go into the last couple games here. So let's get your thoughts, Mackenzie, here. Um, Chicago looks impressive. Trubisky looks like a good quarterback fit for them. They haven't had a quarterback in, you know, years. And all of a sudden, you get Mac on the other side. Defensively, they're playing well. The running game is good. Uh, they go and beat uh, Detroit that that was going to happen. So, what do you say of the Bears so far? Pretty impressive so far in this year.
3: Yeah, I am actually very I okay, I'm not going to say I'm very shocked, but I'm I'm really rather impressed with the way the Chicago Bears have just overall come along um from the Jay Cutler era to transitioning into Mitchell Trubisky and especially how fast it's happened. I didn't really expect the Bears to be um, relevant, much less this dominant. Honestly, up until next year, 2019 season, but um, they were pretty dominant last year. Didn't go too far, but now this year they're looking like an extremely formidable team, and I love it, especially because their offense is finally taking off with um, with Trubisky at the helm uh, under center, and then you have Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan just tearing quarterbacks apart. On defense, so it's real great to see.
1: Now you got the Bears in the in the North, uh, Green Bay, probably the only challenger at this point. So is that you? Is you expect Green Bay to make a play here at the towards the end? There, on um, state neck and neck, is they're looking like that can happen? And, and any Aaron Rodgers team, even when on a worst case year, usually stays in the mix.
3: Um, honestly, I don't see. I hate saying this because you can't really, you can't really ever count Aaron Rodgers out, but only for the plain fact I feel like he doesn't have anybody deep. I'm gonna say I don't see them staying neck and neck with Chicago, and that's only, right. only because I don't feel like he has that many weapons on the outside, but. It's Aaron Rodgers, so he literally can make anything happen, and it's rather annoying, but that's just how I feel.
1: Troy, uh, the, the Bills versus the Jets, we all laughed last week. It was not a game that we wanted to watch, but the Bills put up a 41-burger on a, a poor Jets defense, uh, and apparently they waived Terrell Pryor as well. So uh, I guess they didn't need Pryor, and he wasn't very efficient. So, uh, you know, the dumpster fire that is Buffalo right now, um, sorry, uh, P.B. Schetzer, I know she's over there interning, but it is a bad situation in in, in Buffalo land. But 41-10, to they get the win. It's sort of a rebound win after a big slide here. So what do we say of Rosen and company? Oh, Oh,
2: man, listen. You know, Josh Rosen, uh, he's coming back this week. And, you know, they had to – you know, but Matt, Matt you got to get, you got to take your head off to Matt Barkley. I mean, listen, this guy comes off the street, you know, unsigned. He had not played in two years, and he comes in, and they go into New York, into New York City, and and beat the Jets, forty-one to ten. I mean, you got to take your head off to the guy for for coming out and doing that. I loved watching this press conference and how humble and how grateful he was. And you see that, you know, when you get something taken away from you. And, you know, he's played quarterback and played football his whole life, and to have something taken away from you like that, and then to get it back, and to come out there and just get that thrill of that victory. And both of the victories that we've seen from Buffalo this year one against the New York Jets, the other one against Minnesota both of them pretty much unexpected. But, man, just the the way that they rally, you really got to love what Buffalo does sometimes, you know, when it comes to their wins. And you see a little bit of the the capacity that they have on that team, if they can just manage to put it all together, because they don't have bad players. I mean, you know, people look at it and they say, "Oh, Buffalo sucks," they this, that, and the third. Their record stinks, yes, but they have viable NFL players on their team, and they, and and to watch them struggle the way that they did, it really just came from the quarterback position, and that was really their biggest issue. Watching Matt Barkley come in there. Uh, un- not unlike Nick Mullins, who kind of came out of nowhere and is doing well for the San Francisco 49ers. Who they-, they lost to the Giants, the Giants, but Nick Mullins acquitted himself very well. But when you see the solid play out of your quarterback, that's really the difference between these good teams and these bad teams in the NFL, which you would uh, deem a bad team. You just have to have quarterback play in this league. I love seeing Matt Barkley come back out and play. He's going to start again this week. So we'll see if he can build upon that that momentum and hopefully he can do something where he can continue to stick in his league because he is a viable NFL quarterback. Hats off to the Buffalo Bills for, for um, you know, circling the wagons and getting it done. They get Jacksonville. Um they got a bye this week and then they have Jacksonville after that. So, you know, we'll see how they can build on that and, and, and see where they can keep going. I think
1: it's a positive for them because they get a weak to have him kind of acclimate to the offense. And if, if he did so well against the Jets, the expectation because of Jacksonville State, I think he's going to do well there. Uh, McKenzie, what do we say of, of Andrew Luck and company? It's starting to go on an uprise. The Colts seem to be winning, uh, you know, slowly. And Luck seems to be playing a little bit more confident. So they edge Jacksonville, which is at this point, they gotta look, Jacksonville's got to look at themselves in the face and see – what kind of season they're going to have here because it's not getting any better for them. And even though they played competitive this game, uh, Indianapolis is starting to impress.
3: Yeah. And I was ironically, I was talking to a couple of my coworkers about this earlier. Um, My boss was taught was um, he asked me like, so what do you think about Andrew Luck? And I was like, well, you know, he's now that he's, finally, you know, not having a surgery or not her or not re-injuring something, he's playing, he's starting to play to what he was playing before he got injured, which is great. If they could just get their offensive line together and get a couple more pieces on offense as well, as get a couple more pieces on defense, whether it's a couple starters or a couple, you know, second or third stringers, I think Indianapolis is going to end up turning into kind of like a story like the Bears have, except, you know, the Bears had a quarterback, that was, you know, just slowly stopped caring, and then they trans, you know, they transitioned to Mitchell Trubisky, and now Andrew Luck was, you know, Andrew Luck was hurt, and now he's coming back, and he's slowly starting to get back to what he was before he got hurt. So if Andrew Luck can stay healthy and their own line can protect him to keep him healthy, Indianapolis will end up being a force to be reckoned with as well. Hey, all
0: I, right, can um, go ahead, Troy.
2: Yeah, cause I've been I've been I've been dying to talk about this. All right, so with the Colts, right? Colts started the season one and five. They start they reeled off three straight, three straight games now. Um, the Houston Texans they started off on three. They reeled off six straight. Tennessee Titans they won two straight right now. But I think the biggest difference with the Colts is that what you started to see was Andrew Luck who's starting to get a little bit more confident that he can he can still play, he can take a hit on that, on that you know, repaired shoulder that he had, and his arm strength is just – I don't know, it, it, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but hasn't his arm strength in the beginning of the year, he just was like, he just doesn't have it anymore, and his arm strength is just slowly starting to come back now. I mean, he just looks like he's just getting more and more confident. And speaking, you know, what McKenzie said about the offensive line, hats off to Quentin Nelson. Their their uh, first round draft pick this year run he won rookie of the month as an offensive guard. I will I, I implore you guys to take a look at the film where they just had against Jacksonville and he he was a pulling guard on the play and he's screaming when he's pulling and he turns around and he just jacks up a, a Jacksonville um, uh, a defensive back and pancakes him. No wonder this kid is winning Rookie of the Month. If you watch this dude play, he is an absolute beast. And I think that's really the biggest difference. They finally started to get smart and, and invest in the offensive line. If you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, you have to keep him protected. You've got to keep him upright. And I think that's really the biggest difference is that he's starting to feel more comfortable in the pocket. He's getting, you know, He doesn't take as many hits as he used to. Namely, because you got guys like Quentin Nelson that's up front that's blocking for them. So, man, that division is just—it's it's starting to get a little bit crazy. I mean, that's the AFC South for you, man. You got the Texans, Titans, Colts. Both of those guys are, are riding an enormous high right now, and they're all going to have to battle it out uh, coming forward. You didn't expect Jacksonville to be what they are. I mean, for them being three and six, they lost five straight games. They look horrifying. They look really bad out there, but I think the biggest thing is they, they just turn the ball over too much. And so when you look at it, I really like what you see in the AFC South with the top three things, the top three teams in there. And you wanna see how that plays out, pass off to Andrew Luck and the Colts for kinda writing of that ship and getting their offensive line straight together.
1: Mackenzie, uh, in the same lines, the Giants uh get you know, get that win against the Niners. The Niners literally give this game away they should have had it in the bag. They were playing very good ball. Breda and company were really good. And all of a sudden, you know, Manning comes back, OBJ comes back and oh, and here we are penalties at the end by the Niner defense and basically gave the Giants a win here.
3: Yeah, I was actually, um, I was pulling, surprisingly, I was pulling for the Giants for a little bit during that game. I was, definitely suspect, like, oh, maybe I should definitely not have picked them. But I – like we were talking about on Twitter Twitter yesterday, you know, when you have pieces around you and they start to work, things can happen. I mean, I don't – the Giants clearly aren't going anywhere this season. But they're starting to mesh slowly but surely. Saquon Barkley – fits that offense they, he fits that package so well especially with him being a dual threat running back and not just a ground running back he can catch the pass he can run the long routes just like OBJ with him and OBJ on one side or the other for Peyton or or not Peyton uh, Eli or whoever else is going to be their next quarterback it, it's going to just open up completely for them they just I mean honestly Eli is I, in, my, in, my, in my eyes, he's done. So whoever they pick to take his place is going to I think they're riding with, with
1: him. They're riding with yeah. him. If they, yeah. lose, if they would have lost last night, I think we would have had more of an issue with it. But the, the fact that he's a veteran quarterback and he's able to st- stabilize that, and then he showed some signs of you know, durability with both receiver, Shepard and OBJ, I think that sort of helped him. But the fact that the Niners, two weeks in a row here, just, you know, Holly hasn't come on in two weeks, so I'm thinking maybe that's an issue, that she hasn't come on to speak to it. I'm just kidding. I know she's got other things. But anyways, um, the fact that the Niners have given up these, you know, gave up this game, they had it won. I mean, um, Troy, what do you think of the coach? The coach has got to be pulling his hair off. The
2: Niners right now, I mean, their biggest thing is you got – you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's gone for the season. So, you know, you didn't know what you had um, at quarterback. You brought in C.J. – I mean, you bring back in C.J. Beathard, who was the second-string quarterback. He ends up getting hurt. But then you have Nick Mullins, who came out of nowhere. He went to the game last week. He shows up also against this giant game. Played very well. I mean, they blew out the Raiders last week. That's not – you know much to really read home about really but i mean the way that Nick Mullins came back and played against this Giants game i really like the kid i really like him i really like the way he plays he's gutsy he's tough he makes smart decisions um and you know what going forward this is a year where they can chalk up and sit back and say we're going to develop and we're going to develop some players during this year cuz they know they're not going to be in the playoffs i mean they knew that when um, you know when their quarterback got hurt, so I, I, I like what they've done with Nick Mullins. At least they know, and, and CJ Beth is not a bad quarterback. Also, he just again he just needs some more, a little bit more reps. So they know what they have with the quarterback position. At least their biggest issue is offensive line and also their defense. They just haven't been able to stop people. And you know as long as they can, um, as long as they can try to build on that. And I think that they have. I mean, they really played well against the Raiders. They did an excellent job playing against the Giants. Um, You're starting to see Richard Sherman get a little bit healthier this year. He played well against OBJ for the most part. Um, So you like what they have going forward. If they can build on that and once they get their quarterback back next year, I really like what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do. And not to mention uh, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive guru. You cannot take that away from him. You've got to give him a little bit more chances. So this is year two. You can kind of chalk this up as a learning experience, the same as you did last year. They're building something there. He has plenty of time to go ahead and get this stuff done. And so Kyle Shanahan, I have confidence in him as a coach. I've seen him up front and what he can do. And you, you'll also see how he's got Nick Mullins ready and also C.J. Got to give uh, the Bethard. you got to give uh, Kyle Shanahan a, a chance to get this thing right.
1: McKenzie uh, Mullins has played really good. So this coming next week, a bigger test. So uh, do you think? What do you think of the Niners coming up this next week? You think they get a shot here to get a victory? Because they get the the Raider win. Like uh, Troy saying, that probably wasn't something that you just sit there on. It's Bay Area pride, no big deal. But the Raiders were not that great. But the Giants did contest them, so that's why they get edged here. But what do you think of San Francisco next week?
3: Um to be honest, I'm gonna I'm gonna take them. Only because um once once CJ Beathard comes back, I really feel like that second string spot is going to be up for grabs. Especially since CJ Beathard has been hurt. Like, you know, he got hurt right almost a month or more after Jimmy G did. So and Nick Mullins has now taken over the reins as the starting quarterback until CJ comes back. I feel like once he comes back, it's that QB two spots going to be wide open. And I really feel like Nick Mullins, as much as I love CJ Beathard because he was a former Hawkeye, but let me stop being biased. Um, I just, I like the way he throws. I like the, I like mostly everything about him, but I just think Nick Mullins has more. He has more that it factor that they need right now to get their offense going. And I, if, Nick Mullins can pull off a win this coming week, I think he solidifies himself as the
1: second-string quarterback, at least for I think the I rest meant, of
3: 2018.
1: I think I meant bye weeks. I think they get a bye week this week. Uh, let me double-check the schedule. I think they get a bye yeah, week, they're... and then they go into they go into week 12, right? Week 12 against the yeah, Bucs.
0: So
2: good
1: opportunity. Sunday night, the Bucs against its Magic. So, she should have a good they, shot gonna... for them then.
0: They're gonna flex that game. I can guarantee <laughs> Yeah. I can guarantee you can tell. they're gonna flex that <laughs> We're,
1: I'm with you, man. I would have flexed it too. I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. Uh uh Mackenzie, let's let's talk about the Cowboys. Uh come next week they get ATL. ATL got a got a beat down um uh, basically it, against Mayfield and Company. So they're probably coming in a little angry. Your Cowboys pull it off and they edge Philadelphia, which we knew was going to be a dogfight here. So, uh, what do we oh, say yeah. of oh, man. Dallas against uh, Atlanta next week on Sunday?
3: Obviously, I'm going with my Cowboys,
0: and and it's
3: also going to be another shootout, just like it was against Philly. Um, Matt Reier, his mom is Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones against Dak Prescott, Maury Cooper, and. Zeke Elliott and Cole Beasley. It's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout both ways. I see Dallas winning by just one touchdown, just like it did against um, Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, if Dak and company can play like they played this past Sunday and transfer it to this coming weekend, we will be we will be on to something. The Dallas Cowboys have unfortunately been too inconsistent this season. And if they don't, if they don't keep the consistency that they have had, like they had this game, uh, there, there's, they're, there's not going to be any hope for us. Like, and I can honestly say that without being biased, without being a diehard Cowboys fan, if the Dallas Cowboys don't keep the consistency that they've built this past weekend, we no, there's nothing positive is going to really come out of the, like as far as having a chance to get into the postseason. Dak has to get his get his reads down down better. Zeke just has to keep being Zeke. I mean, whether it's hurdling people, whether it's just blasting right through people, whether it's hitting the screen parts. Dak has to be Dak. Zeke has to be Zeke. Cole Beasley has to just show up out of nowhere like he always does and catch crazy passes and Amar Cooper just has to be there on the whiteouts. Um Matt Ryan on the other hand, who's also good at well, basically everything I've just afterly mentioned. Um, his big problem is going to be getting the ball out under pressure, especially with DeMarcus Lawrence and um, Randy Gregory and um, Leighton Van Esch on the defensive side. He's going to have to get the ball out. If he has a chance to try to beat my Cowboys, he has to get the ball out or else they're going to eat him for breakfast. Like, there's just no – I mean, that's no bias. That's just straight-up pure football. Anybody could see that that understands Matt Ryan does not get the ball out he's unfortunately going to
1: get shot a lot. I, I think that's the case there because that's, that's going to be a big test for both teams here. Big test for both. Uh, one is trying to stay in the South contention. Your Cowboys are trying to stay in the NFC East contention. Um, so it's going to be a big, big game there. The, the loser really can't, nobody can afford to lose a game basically because they're pretty much neck and neck in the division play. Um, Troy, uh, Rodgers against Wilson, and that's going to be at uh, CenturyLink in, Nor- in in Northwest. That's going to be Thursday's game. Uh, the Packers, I just don't see them coming out with the win here. Seattle played very tough uh, against uh, the Rams, and I expect them to obviously be the better squad.
2: You know, at the beginning of the season, when you know we all found out that most of the Legion of Boom was going to be gone you know, we all thought that, you know, Seattle would kind of fall off on defense and then um you know, you get your uh you get your starting free safety, who's part of the Legion of Boom, he goes out. And so you're thinking that Seattle would take a step back. They just they're just kept doing what they've been doing. They're number three, number two ranked defense in the NFL right now. And Green Bay On the other hand, on their defensive side of the ball, they were already having issues, and now they have even more issues. Their secondary is decimated right now. Uh, They got two corners that are going to be missing the game. Kevin King was sitting next to the coaches last week. Uh, He was a – I guess he – I don't know if he was a healthy scratch, but he wasn't playing. And then you had a lot of guys that went down in that game. They're not expected to make the trip. Uh, there, a lot of their defensive backs, I think three of their starting four defensive backs are not going to make the trip uh, to Seattle. This on Aaron Rodgers and hoping that just because we got 12 back there, he's going to, you know, he's going to rescue the day. But Green Bay's a mass
1: unit. If you think about it, they're a mass unit right now, technically. I mean, they're not horrible, but they are a mass unit. So uh, to your point, yeah, I mean, uh, 12 cannot just do it by himself.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Kentrell Bryce is not going to make the trip. Kevin King's not going to make the trip. Nick Perry's not going to make the trip. They they just X out Randall Cobb. He's not going to play on the offensive side of the ball. But how often are you going to have to rely on Aaron Rodgers? Funny thing is, though, is you say the same thing about Seattle. I mean, Seattle doesn't have the best offensive line. Uh, their offense is, you know, other than Doug Baldwin, they don't have many threats, but yet and still, that guy uh, uh, Russell Wilson just keeps it going. And you know, you kind of put both of these quarterbacks on the same tier. Um, I think, honestly, and and I know I'm kind of going out on a limb here. I think I think the Packers take it. I think they I think they win this game. I just think you know they're the more desperate team right now. They're four and four. I mean, I know Seattle is still chasing L. A. Uh, or trying to stay with them at least so they can at least probably get a, a wild card berth or maybe even catch them if they can, you know, take a couple losses. Because, listen, the Rams can be had, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, I think the Seahawks feel comfortable with that or confident in that, rather. But I think Green Bay wins this game. I think Aaron Rodgers circles the wagons. Aaron Jones is finally giving him a run, a viable running threat. Devontae Adams, he stepped up. And then you got uh, Marcus valdez Cantling. He's come out of nowhere. The guy's a big six four guy. He's the fastest player on that team. He's come out of nowhere to become a big, big play threat. So I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they have enough on the offensive side of the ball to, you know, to, to, to make life a little bit difficult for the Seahawks. And I think they actually win this one on the road, even though they're going into this game
0: shorthanded.
1: Mackenzie, we go to Saints uh, off this big 51-burger. Uh, against Cincinnati and now they go against the Eagles Eagles did not look very good against uh, Dallas so they got a rebound here if they want to stay in the NFC East contention so I just don't see the Saints uh, giving up this game I think they're they're at home I think they're in, their energy is going to be almost the same as when they played the Rams I think they're just going to be they're going to get their moxie going and I, I just expect another 50 burger at this point against the Eagles
3: yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, and I'm not only saying this because I am no fan of the Philadelphia Eagles whatsoever, but um, I just don't – I don't see Drew Brees in the Saints. I don't really see them giving up this game. I honestly – I kind of feel like this game is going to be like a scrimmage or a practice type for them. Um, like you said, the Eagles – has been really played.
1: good. The Saints' D, we talked about earlier, the Saints' D is – Ranked last, in defense, ranked last in defense and ranked uh, 28th in the red zone defense, allowing points. But to Troy's point, they outscored their opponent, and that's a key.
3: Yeah, which is alarming and not alarming all in the same aspect. I don't know. It is to me, though. Um, but I, like I said, I see, I see the Saints pulling off a pretty decent win. Not quite sure if it's going to be a 50-piece, but it'll be – I'm going to predict it'll be mid-30s, low-40s at least.
1: All right. Um, The uh, Vikings, uh, Troy, Vikings taking on the Bears. This is a great matchup. It's the game I'm going to be watching. Uh, Trubisky, uh, Kirk Cousins. This is a, uh, you know, NFC North matchup. Uh, Bears have played really good. Camilo Mack against Cousins. Uh, so this is a good game to watch, and it's on Sunday night, so it's going to be prime time. So uh, if, we'll see if Trubisky continues his rise.
2: Man, this is going to be good. This is going to be so good, man. This is the NFC North matchup, Minnesota-Chicago. Both of those teams right now, upstart teams, Chicago 6-3, and three, Minnesota 5-3-1. and one. And so this is where you start to see the separation. Both of those teams are going to be watching the, um, the Packers and see how they fare against the Seahawks because right now the Packers are trailing both of them. And whoever wins this game is going to be the division leader at the point. So this is just a huge matchup. It's going to be in Soldier Field. I'm pretty sure the weather's going to be a little bit nippy out there. So this is one of those games where you sit back and say to yourself, are these teams going to equip themselves and separate themselves? Is Chicago, going to, is, is Chicago a fraud or are they for real? Is, you know, is Kirk Cousins going to show leadership? Is that offensive line going to get better? Has that defense really jailed? And and Minnesota coming off of the bye week, they had time to heal. They had time to get things in order. And the season hasn't gone exactly how they thought it would be. They thought they would build on, you know, getting to that NFC Championship game. And they've struggled in a few games. But, you know what, they've also battled during, the, during that time. And, look, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. The guy is an absolute baller. In my opinion, he's one of the upper national quarterbacks in the league. And to watch him, um, you know, play uh, for the Vikings and, and do what he's doing at the wide receiver position, these guys are great. They're also getting Stephon Diggs back this week. They were without him the last, the, the last two weeks. So they're getting him back. It's going to be a huge game. How is Chicago and that defensive front going to put a lot of pressure on Minnesota's offensive line. They've, the Vikings' offensive line has given up so many sacks this year and, and, and pressures, and they they didn't expect that. And so, but they've also gotten better in the in the last um, what well, the, the last game that they played before the bye week. They look they look much better out there. They look look like a unit that's dealt. And so, are they going? Oh, they're going to give Khalil Mack help. I mean, are they going to help against Khalil Mack rather? So we'll see, man. But that's one. That's that's honestly that's my game of the week right there. Um, and I want to see how they're going to equip themselves. That's going to be a hell of a matchup, man. A great NFC North matchup. Definitely tune in to watch that.
1: Mackenzie, let's go with my Rams. Uh, Kansas City Rams, Midwest team for you. My loyal Cali team here. I'm sort of like I told Troy earlier. I'm kind of scared because of the fact that our defense is. Just not playing up the par. You would have thought uh, Donald and Sue and Brockers would have already stepped up their game, but against Seattle they got they got burned a little bit, and uh, they you know they barely get they barely get out with the 36-31 win. So against Mahomes and company, it's kind of scary because uh, the d- defensive side of the ball has put up 31 sacks so far this season. So the Rams have some uh, an obstacle.
3: Yeah, and you're really not going to like what I'm going to say, but.
1: You bring it, woman.
3: Bring it. I'm going to take Kansas City over your Rams. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Um, You are. Plain fact. Did I expect this?
1: Where are you, in Iowa? It's like, what, a state over in Kansas City? I know you're taking the the Kansas Chiefs. That does not surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. me. Don't
3: be a hater, okay? Don't look. The only person (laughs) who's allowed to throw salt is me. Look, look, and it's not even because I live in the Midwest, and I like to see some Jared Goff. Like I do. I'm i just poking I really fun do. at
1: you. But I just
3: hmm. I don't
1: see it either. I don't see it either. I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. You're, you're you're giving me your gut feeling. I don't see it either. I mean, I'm a I'm a diehard, but given the last two weeks, and we've given up a lot of deep on the defensive side. I just I don't see it. You know, I, if if Mahomes and Hunt and Hill. And especially Hunt, and I know Gurley's you know awesome, but defensively they have not given up big yardage, and they have gotten to the quarterback. So based on that, the scary thought for Los Angeles they got to overcome.
3: Yeah, that's why I'm going with Kansas City. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's going to be. They're not. If Kansas City wins, it's not going to be by more than a touchdown, unless Pat Mahomes just somehow opens opens up the field and just lights fire against you guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Aaron Donald is going to get pressure back there. I also think um, your secondary is going to bring pressure on the one-on-one matchup on, on Kansas City's receivers. I just don't see them sacking him. I see them getting very good pressure, but I don't see them actually touching him um, at this point. So.
1: I agree. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a big game. I'm crossing my fingers that the the Rams will edge and get it done, but I'm 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 looking at this game like I did with the Saints, and as Troy had alluded when they were going up against the Saints, he said this is their test, this is a big test, and this will be another test for Los Angeles as to, you know, against a very good team. Same same for Kansas City, I think it's a big test for them to see if they're for real. So it's going to be a great game on Monday night. Uh, I don't think it's being played in Mexico as we talked about earlier. I think it's going to be in LA. So uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, I
3: did see that they had moved. They had moved the game um, from Mexico to LA um, because of the fires, I believe. Is that correct?
1: They moved it uh, out there, so they're going to be playing at the at the Coliseum, not in Carson, but at the Coliseum. Just make sure everybody goes to the right place. All right. Um, so that's pretty much the NFL Week 11 previews that we did there. So let's talk Michigan at number four in the latest batch of college football playoff rankings that was unveiled Tuesday night. Um, so, Troy, uh, Michigan, uh, ahead of Michigan is unbeaten Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame in that order. So, the Wolverines are ranked uh, 9-1, 7-0 and in the Big Ten. They're coming off that 42-7 to win over Rutgers on Saturday, their ninth straight win this season. Um, so, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to hype you up so much.
2: Hey, man, look, you, the more you were saying that, the more I was smiling. Yeah.
1: UCLA. Center. Is anybody on the UCLA banner? Because I'm – no.
3: <laughs> I mean, I like Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Does that count?
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: But listen, I'm just ecstatic that Michigan is finally back where they belong. They're up in the upper echelon in the college football. Um uh, Jim Harbaugh has finally, you know, gotten this thing right. And to watch the way Michigan plays, Michigan is also playing just like the Redskins. They they went with the running game and the defense. But Michigan's defense right now is just it's just head and shoulders above most in college football. The one thing I do worry about, though, is as good and as fast as that defense is, is this, if you watch them I don't know if they will be able to hang with a team like Alabama or maybe even uh, not even be able to hang with a team like Oklahoma. Um, I think all the rest of the teams, Michigan will be able to hang with. But my biggest thing is getting Michigan out of their four seed and getting them at least to a three or two seed. It may not happen, especially with the way things are shaking out. Alabama, they would have to lose to Georgia. that would have to be even be a possibility. Um, Clemson right now and the ACC, they're just going to be unchallenged. The ACC is a mess. Uh, Notre Dame has a non-conference schedule, but they do have a few horses left, and one of, them, one of those horses is, is u uh, c So, you know, that's always a great rivalry game, and you never know what's going to happen there, but I fully expect Notre Dame to win that game. And so it looks like that, you know, hopefully Michigan gets out of that four seed. But it looks more and more like they are going to have their four seed. And not to mention, uh, Notre Dame has Syracuse this week. Well. They're playing this game in Yankee Stadium. And I want people to really realize this, that the Syracuse Orangemen are a for real team. Right now, they have, snuck, they have snuck all the way up into number 12 in the rankings. So the Syracuse Orangemen are back. And so I honestly think that's their biggest test and Notre Dame's biggest test is going to be, um, you know, for this, you know, late in this season. And if they can come out of this game in New York City on top of this, uh, on top of the Orangemen, I think they'll really solidify themselves. And they could possibly even move up to the number two seed after this win because Clemson has not really been playing the best competition in the ACC this year.
1: Uh, Mackenzie, what do you say that you, uh, we're talking about Georgia, Oklahoma also knocking on the door at five and six respectively. So, uh, right now we have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan in the top, and then you have Georgia, Oklahoma. So what, how do you see the, this whole thing playing out?
3: Well, since I'm the biggest Oklahoma Sooners fan on, or yeah, fan on Facebook, I'm just going to say that the Oklahoma Sooners are not going nowhere. Um, the Boomer Sooner Nation needs to realize that they're not going to get the matchups that they want. They're not, they, they may be 9-1. They struggled to beat Oklahoma State, and I'm not even going to sit here and lie. I was definitely pulling for Oklahoma State. I mean, I was putting on Facebook that Oklahoma was going to win by 16, but I wanted Oklahoma State to pull the upset, and they almost did it. So, any Oklahoma Sooners fan out there that's listening to this, do not at me, don't get in my inbox, don't don't put me in your mentions. Okay, y'all barely won that game and I don't see y'all getting into the playoff for the Natty. That's not going to happen. You're definitely going to have to go through Michigan first. You're definitely going to have to go through Georgia to to even be considered and clearly nobody's beating Alabama. That's not that's not even a thing. So, I see I see Oklahoma going to like a second tier bowl game. Obviously, it's not going to be for the Natty. Clearly, um, it'll be Alabama and somebody. Um, to be honest, I I want to see Alabama Michigan. Like I really do, and I know Troy's probably like, oh my god, she picked Michigan. Yeah, um, I my well, my brother is like the biggest. The biggest Michigan Wolverines fan, I'm not really sure why he was born and raised in Iowa, but I digress um but after watching after watching michigan not tell you a real about your brother it, <laughs>
0: um, after <laughs> watching
3: Michigan, after watching them lose to Notre Dame and then come back and just dominate as as much as they have been, I feel like. In my right football mind, I can't pick anybody else but them. I mean, I could pick Oklahoma, but why on earth would I do that?
1: Well, as an analyst, you got to take your you know your hat off your pride of the team. You got to just really be put in perspective. So reality is reality. The which top is four are I there, picked, but
3: which is why I picked Michigan as yeah. that pers- as that team to essentially challenge Bama for the Mackenzie.
1: Um, yeah, the shuffled the shuffle beyond the top ten, with some losses, uh, dropping a few teams and knocking out others altogether. But first, uh, the, uh, the undefeated UFC, you know, uh, climbed up one spot to number eleven, as did Syracuse to number thirteen, and Penn State climbed six spots up to number fourteen after that twenty-two to ten win over Wisconsin. Uh, UFC's number eleven ranking is the highest I think they've been at for a long, uh, for probably ever. So um, besides Iowa, also climbed six spots to number 16. Uh, it's after their fifth straight win. Texas is number 15 this week, up three spots. So that the beyond the the top 10, a little shuffling coming up. Uh, everybody trying to make ends road. but it's all going to be pretty much for bowl bowl preferences at this point because they're not going to compete for the big the Natty price. Uh,
3: that yeah, um, I am actually very happy that Iowa State has moved up five spots. I did not even – I hadn't even had a chance to look at the uh, the polls, but I'm very glad that Iowa State has moved up. They are a very respectable team. They are a very respected team. They have played lights-out football for the past four or five weeks, and it's just tremendous. Um, aside from the entire Baylor scuffle with David Montgomery and their lineman, and then um, the Baylor player who threw a punch at – Montgomery. Aside from that, they were playing wonderful teams that play wonderful football. Unfortunately, have targets on their back, and that's exactly what Baylor did. Um, And unfortunately, you know some of the Iowa State players bit, but you know that's okay. Depending on how long they're out for, I believe the uh, the rule is half a game, or like half 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 the game. I'm not quite sure. I have to look into that. But um, I'm I'm excited to see Iowa State. Um, relevant again in football. My Iowa Hawkeyes, on the other hand, need to get it together. I'm about sick of them. If we lose to Illinois, I may or may not flip my lid, but I'm giving them one more game to get it together. I mean, we're already bowl eligible, so I'm not too worried about it, but we want a better bowl than the Pinstripe Bowl or the Liberty Bowl you, or the Sugar You want bowl. momentum.
1: You want momentum. Yeah, Is that what exactly. you're saying? You want momentum, yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Twy- Washington was the biggest climber, coming in at number 18, up from 25 last week. Uh, some of the teams dropped off the performances, like Kentucky slipped from number 11 at 17 after falling to unranked Tennessee, and then Florida slipped two spots to uh, number 15 after a close win against South Carolina. These are all my notes. Uh, college, uh, Boston College is number 20, three spots down from last week, following a 27-7 to home loss to Clemson. Uh, another SEC team slipped five spots which is Mississippi State down to 21 from number 16 after that 24-0 shutout loss to the Crimson Tide on Saturday, which is expected. And Utah is back in the rankings at number 19, while Northwestern mates its a debut at number 22. So a uh, lot of movement this, this, this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know um... – May not get a whole lot of headlines that the uh, Northwestern Wildcats they have ended up winning the, uh, the Big Ten West. Um, that right now they're they're um, you know so they're they're already in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, but one of the things that um, that's really intriguing to me uh, is, is a couple things. On a lesser note, what's going to happen um, if everything shakes out in the Big Twelve with West Virginia and Oklahoma? Possibly ended up playing in the Big 12 Championship game. That's gonna, you know, that could actually, depending upon how things shake out in the top four, that could end up vaulting one of those guys into the championship. I mean, into the um, into the college football playoffs. But here's the real issue: when you look at the rankings right now, and if everything shakes out as we expect, if if well, it, it, in the top two through four if everything shakes out like we expect, Clemson runs the table, they win the ACC championship, Notre Dame, they run the table and finish out their season undefeated. And if Michigan beats Ohio State and and, and Indiana in the next two weeks and also then wins the Big Ten championship, what happens if Georgia beats Alabama? Anybody think about that? I mean, are are the voters really going to say to Georgia – yeah, you beat Alabama, but Alabama, we feel like, is the best team in in, a, in, in uh, college football. And so, we're going to keep Alabama in the top four? Are you not going to vote Georgia in there for beating the best team in
0: college football? What happens
2: to Michigan? They're also a one-loss team. So, you would have Alabama, Michigan, Georgia at one loss. Who do you put in? Cause you're certainly not taking out Clemson, Notre Dame, right? They're already this is a-, a
0: team.
1: I always get to this stage where uh, I, it looks like we're going into like a, a, a criminal trial, you know, where people are on the oh jury my and yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like uh, who do we, yeah. who do we, you know what I mean? You put them on the stand the last couple of weeks, and I don't know. It's just thrill for everybody, Mackenzie. Is this a, is this what the thrill is for college football at towards the end? It's like like the debatable fact of okay, who gets in, who gets – who who schedules better and what the feed was better and and it just it seems crazy but everybody loves this it's like a frenzy towards the end. Um,
3: yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, right now as it seems, Alabama is on un- isn't unbeaten is unbeatable. Like it, that's I mean that's how it looks right now, but. I have to go with Troy, like, because I don't think many of us have really thought about what you know. The what if the biggest what if is you know what if Georgia beats Alabama, then what happens? That turns the table on everything.
0: Oh, and I've God. also
3: I've also often wondered about that myself. Ooh. that's uh, what I'm what what saying. I'm it's like be-
1: college. It seems like it's all it's all inter. It's like a mystery box. <laughs> it's like we're just a uh, Pandora's like okay, that happens, this happens. Uh it's like a magical state of okay, we go bad or okay, as expected. It's really the two the two ways you can go.
2: But you know what? This is this is the exact type of scenario that created the college football playoffs, okay? So there were 3 undefeated teams at the end of the season and you know you had to decide who was going to go in and then you also have teams that felt left even you got that one team that's left out and they're like well we deserve to be in the national championship game and so they decided to go ahead and make the college football playoffs and so now what they were doing is we'll take the top four teams so now what's going to end up happening is if this does end up happening where georgia beats alabama and we'll see how the voters go. We'll see how, how this looks out. Who's going to get left out? I mean, whoever gets left out has an absolute legitimate gripe. If Alabama loses that game, they still feel like they deserve to be in the playoffs. Michigan only won, lost one game, and that was against undefeated Notre Dame. Other than that, they ran the table and dominated across the board. Georgia ends up beating the best team in the, in the uh, college football. Who do you leave out? Whoever you leave out has an incredible argument to sit back and say this is complete garbage. We need to extend it to six teams or or eight teams. And so, if something like that does happen, somebody's going to be completely heartbroken. Somebody's going to be completely just like through the roof pissed off that they weren't invited to the playoffs. And but it's going to end up if it does happen, it's going to end up infusing changes in the college football structure why not go to a 16 team playoffs like you do in the championship uh, uh, playoff series uh, like you do in the lower level where used to be called 1AA uh, in, in the NCAA? Why not go to a playoff system where you allow more teams in and you can still have your bowl system? And if you want to go ahead and keep all that revenue that you got coming in there, turn some of these playoff games into bowl games. You know, do something about that where you can include everybody in that. To me, it's not and, – and, It's not a hard process to figure out. But if this does happen, expect to see some changes next year because the voters absolutely do not want that scenario. What they want is Alabama to beat Georgia and Michigan, Notre Dame, and Clemson to go ahead and run the table also. And that way, it'll be cut and dry where there's no pressure. You already know who's in and you know who's out.
1: Mackenzie, is this something of a debate? Because what do we go there? Strength of schedule? competitive uh, against one team or the other how would you break that i mean how would you explain okay you're out because uh, alabama has played a, bit a tougher schedule or because michigan's played a tougher schedule i mean how do you de- how do you go that route uh, at this point somebody's going to be very angry
3: i mean and honestly when you look at it it it's somebody's it, you're not going to please everybody some somebody is going to be upset and somebody is going to hear news that they don't want to hear With that being said, I feel like you have to go off a strength of schedule that I don't really see any other platform or rhyme or reasoning to use anything else, unless you use this, um, the point differential system, which even with that Alabama would still be number one.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Um. I try to stay calm in this thing, but I don't try to dive into it as much as you guys, because I know you guys are, like, passionate. And Salty, I see you very passionate, vocal and everything else. I'm not that vocal for college football. But anyways, uh, Troy's, like, big on that. And ever since I've gotten introduced to college football, it's affected my marriage in a lot of ways. But I've tried to stay at the course. And thank you, Troy, for that. Appreciate that. Um, But, you know, overall, it's been, you know, uh, an exciting time. And as you come down to these weeks, it gets more intense and intense and intense and all these question marks. Um, let's go into the, uh, the Heisman watch Mackenzie, um, We got Tua, basically the front runner, you got Kyler Murray at Oklahoma and then you got Will Greyer. You got Gardner Mish Mich- uh, Minchu at Washington state. Then you get a defensive lineman and Quinn Williams from Alabama of all places. Then you get another quarterback, Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, Taylor from Wisconsin, the running back, Travis Etienne from Clemson, the running back, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis, uh, Mackenzie Milton out of UCF, and then uh, DeAndre Swift. So, uh, Mackenzie, who would you – if you had the vote, who are you giving the Heisman to?
0: Ooh.
3: God, I really can't believe them. I can't believe these words are really about to come out of my mouth.
1: Wow. Did you drink coffee? Did you have coffee? Drink some coffee. (laughs) You're in your system. Come on. Um, Are you ready for this? You're you're going to
3: laugh. As much as I am not a fan of this fan base, I'm going to have to give it to Kyler Murray.
1: It's from Georgia, right? Yeah.
3: No. I'm going to have to give it to Kyler Murray.
1: Really, I'm Kyler really Murray am. at Oklahoma? You're not a homer, right? Yeah,
3: I'm not. I'm not. I mean, and even if I, even if I was a homer, I wouldn't put Nate Stanley in the Heisman watch anyway. What? Oh, with that being said, no, I mean, at least not yet. Nate Stanley's a junior; okay. he still has a lot of things to develop on. Um, Kyler Murray, on the other hand, is even. Ooh, and this really pains me to say because it's like Tua and Kyler are literally like neck and neck for this this Heisman watch. It's almost disgusting. But if I have to put my football hat on, I'm, Kyler Murray, to me, has the edge over Tua. Only for the playing back because Kyler, the Oklahoma Sooners defense is not the best by any means. Kyler's offensive line, though, they keep him pretty clean for the most part very rarely does he get touched or breathed on so he's able to make his reads quicker he's able to release the ball quicker he definitely has a quicker release than two of those and obviously he's, he's a, I think he's on pace,
1: on pace to beat Mayfield's uh passing efficiency record from last year so that's a that's a good uh argument right there
3: uh, so that, that like I said as far if I had to break it down schematically wise I'm giving it to Kyler Murray if I had to break it down as far as Record-wise, obviously, if we're going off record, you give it to Tua. But if you're going off of you know, football schematics and stats and just the eye test, I mean, it, it you have to give it to Kyler Murray. Like, most Bama fans are like, oh, you're only doing that. No, I'm doing that because it's the truth, okay? And also, Tua's been playing hurt. I'm not really sure if anybody's been, like, been realizing that, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, obviously, if you can play – through being hurt or, you know, being ailed in some form, then, you know, that's always a good thing. You're always, you know, you're showing, um, you know, you're showing this when you're showing the, you know, you're showing that you can push through it. But Kyler has literally had to almost bring his, this is now the second game that he has had to bring his team back from almost being beaten to keep them being beaten. And he literally almost brought them back to win the Texas game. If they wouldn't have lost the Texas game, Kyler Murray would be a definite yes for the uh, for the Heisman. But since he has that one loss hanging over his head, he's still going to be number two in most people's eyes. But if you really look at it, Kyler Murray is the Heisman Trophy winner for 2017-18 season.
0: There you go, uh, Troy.
2: You agree or disagree? I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I just I'm in, I'm in <laughs> utter, I'm in utter shock over here. <laughs> I, I Okay, so let, let me let me let me go here. Like Kyler Murray the the saddest thing about the whole Kyler Murray thing is is that we will never see that kid play football again after this year. So actually if you actually, actually hold on, and, hold that on, on thought. Hold that thought.
3: There is a rumor going around I don't know if it's completely true, but there is a rumor going around that he's considering coming back for his senior season.
2: Well, he so he I hope so. I hope so, but I think, I think he, this is his last year. Cause after this, he's not even playing NFL. He's, he's not even going to the NFL. He's going to major league baseball. He's also a, a, just an incredible baseball player. And I think that's what he was saying. He's going to play one season here. And then that was it for the Sooners.
0: Uh,
2: so that's the sad thing. So if you are a football fan, a college football fan, soak in as much of this kid you, as you can get, cause you're not going to see him very much longer. Um, Two attack a of Viola. This guy, right now, I'm going to give you his statistics, right? 2,500 yards. His completion percentage is 67.9. Touchdowns to interceptions. He has 28 touchdown passes, two interceptions. In the NFL, the highest rating you can have as a quarterback rating is 158.3. You want to know what this kid's quarterback rating is for this season 207.7 he's far and away oh and let me add this last little caveat let me let add this last little caveat he hasn't played in the third quarter of any game this season they've played 10 games he hasn't played at all in the third quarter because they have been up so far in points and scoring that he didn't even need to play. It's just like just just go ahead and sit out. Just, just go get some hot dogs or something. He's far and away the best player in the league. And it's not his fault that he also has one of the better defenses in the in the nation or you know, with that Alabama team. He's allowed them to come to jail because they don't have the pass rushers that they used to have up front. But best believe, everybody on that defense is probably a five star athlete, so don't even get it twisted. They have the talent out there. But the difference between that team and the reason why they look completely unbeatable this year is because of that man, Tua Tagovailoa. He is absolutely far and away the best quarterback in college football right now. And I love Kyler Murray because he is such a threat. He's a passing threat. But you know what? You got And, and look, that loss that they had against Texas, I don't even put that on him. That's not on him. That's because he had a horrifying defense and he single-handedly bought that team back. But you can't lose to your up So then, so so, wait, so then how come you couldn't you you couldn't
3: give that? How could you not give that to Kyler then? That's what that's the difference between Tua and Kyler. No offense to Tua, but he hasn't really had the work to get the win. Like he, you just said it yourself. He has not played a third. It's a better program.
1: Season. I guess it's the better program. It's, the better program is going to win out. No, you can't.
3: And you can't. No, you can't even use that. You literally have to go off of. How each person is played, and unfortunately for Tua, him being a Crimson Tide Tide roller and being a starting QB. Are um,
1: you saying he's a, being appointed based on his uh, based on his uh, the team's you know uh, aura in the national spotlight? Is that what you're saying?
3: Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, and that's not taking anything away from Tua. Period. Like Tua is a phenomenal talent; he's one of the just like Troy said, he's one of the best college football players, period. I'm not quarterback, not running back, college players, period. That, and he's a dangerous left-handed quarterback, which is also saying something because you don't find left-handed quarterbacks with talent like Tua. So, and I'm not taking that away from him. That's not it at all. But you literally have to look at the adversity that Kyler Murray has ha, literally have, had to go through to get to where he is now and to put Oklahoma in the top ten. You like, you literally cannot right. you can't not give it
2: to him.
1: I so you're taking I Murray, I, I, and he's taking Tua.
2: I, I love Kyler Murray. I love the guy. Look, I, when I say I love this kid, I love watching him play. If you love football, you got to love Kyler Murray. The dude battles inside out. He does not care. The dude just flat out gets done. But I'm just sitting there saying from a dominant standpoint, and you're saying you, the biggest thing you said was the eye test, right? When I look at the eye yeah. test, I look at Kyler Murray, the effort that he has to put in to keep his teams neck and neck with a lot of teams, and he has to score those points. But when I look at Tua Tagovailoa, he's doing it easily. He's just like I'm relaxed, I'm chilling, I'm just I'm just throwing darts out here. In the passes, that that's he the point. Is why liking. would you
3: Why would you Why would you, you want to give it to somebody that has it easy? If I'm going to give somebody the highest, it's going to be because they work for it.
2: Because I'll tell you, I tell you why. the one thing, and, and I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not taking this away from Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, they play in that that up, the, the up tempo offense, right? They got the no huddle. Uh, they're going out, they're you know, they're they're challenging the you know the aptitude of the defense. They don't even have a route tree though, so it's like they're almost kind of playing like sandlot, and they're running up, the, they're running up numbers because they are running, you know, the 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 um, uh, like I said, the no huddle offense. Alabama doesn't even have to do the no-huddle no, no offense, and they're running the ball more efficiently than Oklahoma is, and so that's why I got to give it to Tua. He just does it with so much ease, and I'm not saying like he has time in the pocket because he's getting hit. They got a lot of de- they got a lot of guys that are hurt on that offensive line, so T- Tagovailoa is getting hit. That's why his knee is injured right now because he's been taking a little bit more shots. So it's not like he's just been sitting back there with a clean pocket. Don't listen. Let's not mistake that. And, that, like, again, uh, Kyler Murray, when I spoke about um, uh, Tua Tagovailoa's um, uh, rating, Kyler Murray's rating is higher. But I just feel like he has more chances to put those numbers up than Tua does because, as I said, he hasn't even had to play in the third quarter one entire game this season. Kyler Murray has, has had to play pretty much to the last second of, every, of, of a lot of these games because they're so close because their defense is just terrible.
3: Which is again why I'm go. still giving it to Kyler Murray. And even with that, yeah, Alabama might be running the ball more efficiently. You wanna know why that's because Kyler Murray is a dual threat quarterback to so Ottawa is not a dual threat quarterback. Kyler will throw it deep, throw it through the middle, or throw you a screen pass very efficiently, and he will take off with his hot wheels and run down the down the stretch sideline for a touchdown because that's what he does. I'm still So we have a
1: debate. Do we have a debate like we have at the national stage? These writers have obviously a debate because we got Murray and Tua as frontrunners, and then you got Greer, but I don't even think that's going to matter at this point. So it is between Murray and Tua, as you guys are debating here. And so we're going to hey, keep hey, a, a, an eye out for it in the next couple, couple weeks. Um, let's, before we go into the women's recaps and knows, uh, news notes, um, what's the one game we got to watch, Mackenzie, on your side?
2: Troy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here.
0: Okay,
1: what's the one game that we got to watch in college this week? I don't know if she dropped off. Okay, so,
2: so the biggest game that that you're going to have to that, that you guys want to see right now is the Yankee Classic. Okay, this is Syracuse versus Notre Dame. This is going to be a neutral site game, but the reason why this is never really a neutral site game is because Notre Dame and their fans. They're everywhere. They're worldwide. They're everywhere. Any place you can play Notre Dame. Notre Dame just played Navy earlier this season. They played them out in San Diego. It was almost half and half. And San Diego was out there. He's a, a huge naval base. So, you know, they were going to get those guys in there. But you're in New York City. Notre Dame is going to be there. Um, their fans travel very well. So, this is going to be one of these matchups where you sit back and say, Syracuse is on an upstart right now. They're on an the uptick. They got a lot of momentum going forward, and this is prime position to try to catch them. Ian Book, you don't know if he's going to play. As a matter of fact, I think he was ruled out. So you know, you know, your your starting quarterback not playing in this game can be a tough thing for Notre Dame to, to to try to overcome. This is by no means an easy game. Um, so we'll see how, how this transpires. But honestly, this is. In my opinion, the biggest matchup of this week. I really cannot wait to see how this happens, especially from a Michigan standpoint, me being a Michigan fan. I'm looking to see if Notre Dame Dame does take a tumble. That really kind of maybe even clears up a lot more because that'll move Georgia up to the number four uh, seed. Michigan will go to three
0: if they go ahead
2: and beat Indiana. And so... You know, the, the the picture at the end of the year still gets even more cloudy because if Georgia loses to Alabama or beats Alabama, um, Notre Dame is still on the outside with one loss. So this is just a really pivotal game for all the college football to watch. Syracuse, Notre Dame, at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, definitely tune in to watch.
1: Mackenzie, what's your one game to, to, to watch?
3: Um, I'm going to go –
1: Texas Iowa State. Texas Iowa State. Okay.
3: Yep, and only because Texas beat Oklahoma and Iowa State lost to Oklahoma, so it's the battle of those two.
1: Okay. Um, we're gonna go into the women's recaps. Before we do that, uh, uh, let everybody know we're gonna go dazzle dot com. You go to dazzle dot com for the Christmas holidays starting now early. Get your stuff help support the no joke football project on social media and uh, every sale from Zazzle.com that you buy shirt, leggings or tees, any of that stuff, you basically help us uh, spotlight another app, talented athlete around the globe that plays American football. And so if you go to Zazzle.com forward slash great iron beauties, use the daily code, save up to 40% off. And if you are in the States, you can uh, subscribe to Zazzle black for about $10 and you get free shipping all over the States uh, worldwide tab under Zazzle.com. So if you're out of state, in Europe, uh, Australia, or anywhere else, you can check your country code there, go to the site there, and order there as well. Uh, so Zazzle.com has been our sponsor for a long, long time, over five years, and we are very happy that they keep supporting us. So go to Zazzle.com forward slash Grand and order your stuff there. Uh, Mackenzie, let's go to Costa Rica. Costa Rica, it is week six. Uh, the Valkyria, Valkyria's win thirty to twenty eight against the goddesses. Uh two and two, Valkyrie's improved to 0 oh and four. You can watch that game at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties on YouTube of all places. So really good matchup. Uh it is uh week six. We got about what one, two, three, four. We got five weeks till the championship. So pretty exciting. Uh thank you to the network partner Yarda five oh six T V for their YouTube coverage. So really awesome there and Right now, two and two. is trying to keep pace with the undefeated Bulldog Flames over in Costa Rica.
3: Thirty to twenty-eight. I definitely did not see that one coming. Like I kind of like I said last week, you know, with the newer programs, as as long as you have those veterans on your team, anything can happen. And thirty twenty-eight pretty much says it.
1: All right, a toy in Brazil. We have the semifinals in Brazil. Uh, Group A and Group B of the Copa Sport Brazil. And you can get uh, live action, Facebook Live, also on our Facebook page, as well as a YouTube uh, action as well. And we want to give a shout out to uh, Jonathan uh, Mercies, Nilton Brito, Nathan uh, Dino's uh, photo, and of course, Football Americano Brazil for their coverage. Uh, It is Greg Riders, 14 to 13 against Curitiba Silverhawks. It is a game. uh, I get the recap there as well, but Really tough game, defensive game, and comes down to one point, one possession at the end of the game. And here we go, big riders, Edge, Kura, Teaba, Silverhawks, 14 to 13.
0: Yeah, it
2: was just. I mean, when when you have a close matchup like that, I mean, you, you have to, on one side, you have to feel relief. On the other side, you just feel disgusted right there. So, I mean, whenever you have those close games, the good thing that you see is that the competition is there. And so, uh, going forward, both of those teams still have, um, you know, a a lot of confidence in what they can do. They just feel like they need to tweak some things here and there. So, you like to see those close games, especially amongst them. It just lets you know how even the talent is.
1: Big Riders advance to the Copa Sport Championship December 9th, and they are going to face Cenob Coyotes, who – Routed the Spartans twenty to zero. So Mackenzie Coyotes looking pretty pretty hot here offensively against the Spartans. And so the matchup is Big Riders will be taking on Sonobe Coyotes December ninth for the Copa Sport inaugural championship in Brazil.
3: I think I'm going to go with the Coyotes by seven.
1: You are. I they think they're they're a hot team, yep. but uh, the Big Riders are playing pretty good defensive ball. So we will see December ninth. Um, let's go to Italy, week two, uh, and Na- uh, Nausicaa Del Roto out there and the underdogs of the Bologna underdogs, they get the win in week two, 25-0 against the Massa Tigers. Um, and it is, uh, we got coverage and highlights from uh, Samuel, game day, Italy, and then we have the recap from Brave Bologna in Italy as well. So it's a pretty good matchup there, week two, keeping neck and neck. So uh, Nausicaa playing out there, playing for the Philly Phantoms, and then goes back home. Now she's playing for the underdogs, and here they are. Uh, pretty good 2-0 and on the rankings, and they're playing really good ball. Are you still there, uh, Mackenzie?
0: I
3: am. I don't know what happened. Uh, I think it cut out a little bit.
1: I'm going so comp- to
3: see how this went and-
1: yeah, um, week two in Italy, so we'll keep tabs on it week to week, but uh, she's doing a great job over there. Underdogs get the win, 25-0, get the recap there. Um, Troy, we go to Austria, football Austria, the semifinals in Austria as well. The Newbie Dragons, uh, they edge the Budapest Wolves 8-6 to six in a very, very tough defensive duel. 8-6 to six is the score, uh, and so uh, great coverage by Sabine Samal, uh, and then also... We got the uh, coverage, uh, hopefully, with the recap coming up. And so the Dacia Vikings await the Danube Dragons in a rematch November 17th. This coming weekend will be the final of the Football Austria National Championship.
2: Yeah, another close matchup. And, um, you know, uh, shout-outs to uh, Danube Dragons, um, for, you know, for, for getting the win and uh, keeping pace for uh, putting themselves in position to get into the off season, uh, and getting to the offseason in the playoffs were impossible.
1: The other feel-good story we had was uh, Alexandria Buch- Buchanan out of Hawaii, the only quarterback to uh, lead a varsity team out there in the state. Got a big, co- cool FaceTime with Drew Brees. It was uh, via Bleacher Report and uh, Carmelo Anthony doing the spotlight for So pretty cool uh, feature out there, right, McKenzie? Oh,
3: yeah, I, I saw that. I was just like, oh, that's so cool. I want to FaceTime somebody famous.
1: Ah, uh, you're talking to somebody right here. We're good.
0: True. You're right. <laughs> no. <I'm> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been cool. <laughs> you know, your
1: Breeze calling you in, during the midday of your schooling, that was way cool. I couldn't, I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's way cool for her.
3: If anybody FaceTimed me in the middle of my schooling, I'm taking the rest of the day off. I'm just throwing that out there.
1: Yeah. And she had a shoulder injury, too. So, uh, hopefully she's recovering from that. But she has shoulder. The other big news uh, was in the Mar- uh, Maritoba Girls Football League up in Canada. Uh, Katie, I didn't get her name, but Katie uh, is going to be the only female represented in this high school event at the Edmonton Grey Cup. And so, um, you know, shout, shout out to her. She's one of the first players that was part of the inaugural uh, organization when they first started. And she's going to be the only female at this high school event with the boys competition in Edmonton. So shout out to her as well.
2: Awesome job. Yeah. You love to see that, you know, when, when, you know, the ladies get invited uh, to play against the guys. I mean, so I, I love to see that this is just a lot of inclusion. Cause you have heard the stories where they don't get included and they don't get a chance to play. And so anytime I hear a story like that, man, I feel happy that they get a chance to live out their dreams and play a sport that everybody loves. It's going to be cool. And uh, we'll put, we'll be covering it as well. Gridiron,
1: Queensland in, Austra- in Australia. The Thunder get the win 16-15 to 15 against the State Stingrays. And Lauren Evans, our NoJuice football supporter out there. Uh, so Thunder will face Bayside Ravens in the Sun Bowl. Uh, you can catch the game, the semifinal there, live via – Streaming Brisbane, and that's on our, via the Gridiron Queensland page. and You can get it on our Facebook at the hub, facebook.com for us slash Gridiron Beauties. Uh, and so, the big news coming out of this whole matchup here is uh, Mackenzie, the Seattle Majestics of the WNFC announced Chrissy Torres, quarterback of the Bayside Ravens, and the GC Stingrays, Cody Fuller, will be in the season this next spring in the WNFC. So the uh, us, us, uh, Australian invasion is now going to be in the northwest, coming in 2019 for the inaugural WNFc opening season.
0: Oh, that's going to be a good
3: one! I'm excited. I am excited. You know, at first I was really kind of hesitant about this entire WNFc thing. Like, I'm really not going to lie. I'm, um, you know, because that would be bad. But you know, hearing some of the teams and hearing some of the now now hearing more of the players that are, you know, coming over from another league to join the WNFC. I'm almost all the way on board with this in the play back because I want to see how their very first season goes. I, I'm really just kind of at my wit's end with waiting for women's football to get here anyway. And to see another, another league, you know, have their inaugural, inaugural season and take off will be very much something I will be watching for.
1: All right. So, and on top of that, we have 2019 uh, Legends Football League Open Trials. You can get the dates and times of the teams on our Facebook page as well. And the bombshell of bombshells, Troy, Michelle Angel will be going to the Austin Acoustics for 2019. And apparently, the rumor is the acoustic team of 2018 has completely left. That's the rumor. I can't confirm that at this point and it, it was concerning a coaching issue. Uh, I have no details at this point. I'm trying to gather some details, but reality is, uh, as it stands right now, Michelle Angel is with the acoustic, but no LeLon Lopez, no Michelle Angel, none of the batch of 2018, which would have been,
2: like, a huge gain. Uh, I'm, uh, man, I, I am shocked. Number one, yeah, that's mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Angel getting out, I mean, leaving Seattle. I thought, man, I, I, I honestly, I thought she was the reason why they were even viable, a viable team. And for the acoustics to, to get a player like that, on the other hand, you would think that that acoustic team would be ecstatic. I mean, regardless of a coaching change. I, I don't know what the hell is going on. I mean, they should be they should be running back to play with her. I don't know if they. I mean, they played against this 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 woman, and see how awesome of a player she is. They should be ecstatic to get a player like that in that locker room. And
1: I get it. I'm trying know, to get. It, it, I'm trying to get more details as to what happened there in Austin. So at this point, it oh, yeah. uh, is oh, hey. Michelle Michelle Angel is there. Coach Oliveira is still there. And from what I'm being told. The, uh, all the acoustics of 2018 all free agents and we're not coming back that's what i'm being told i have not confirmed that so at this point it's kind of like a brand new team like in seattle but with uh, michelle angel and the existing coach there so we'll see what transpires um we have no official news from the acoustic or the lfl so we'll see uh, if in the next coming weeks what we get out of that so um that's pretty much it. That's all I had. So it's a great show. We talked about NFL, college football, women's recaps. You can get all the details of the FXX Mexico uh, recap as they come up on our Facebook page, as well as so go check out the highlight of week four of LexVa. All the athletes in LexVa on the video there pretty exciting. And I want to thank all our network partners for uh, supplying all our stuff for us and making us the best site for women's American football on the planet globally. Uh, Thanks for supporting the No Joe Football Project, as well as go to the Zazzle.com shop at Gridiron Beauties. Zazzle.com for us at Gridiron Beauties. So, Mackenzie, Troy, for the absent Holly, Custis, and Louise Bean, uh, we'll catch you here next Tuesday once again. And so it's going to be NFL Week uh, 11 and uh, College Football Week 12, so it's going to be very interesting as we get towards playoff time. So have a great uh, day, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, tune in, and right here on Block Talk Radio. Have a great night.